You're listening to Around Comics, episode 215, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and Devil May Cry by Funimation. Chicago, this is Around Comics, the comic culture podcast, where each week our revolving panel of guests talk about everything in and around the world of comic books and comics culture. And Around Comics is recorded at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop on by. We'd love to meet you. Hey there, folks. Christopher Neesman here, and we have a great uh, New Year's uh, panel put together here for you. It was uh, some of our uh, favorite returning guests, even though... Uh, says it's everybody who returns. Ev- well, if, if we like you enough to, to come <laughs> back, you are one of our favorite guests. <laughs> we're the sequels. It, yeah. we're, the, we we're the zombies. Back from the grave. The Roman numeral numbers. <laughs> yes, the, the, the zombie sequels. Part and, duh. <laughs> three. Part uh, Four. Part <laughs> erp. Um... Uh, we've never had this uh, this group of uh, of uh, folks in this configuration though, which is kind of nice. So uh, go ahead and, uh, and like get... stack like wood together. <laughs> this <laughs> new t- configuration. T- t- they have ankle <laughs> a- a- ankle and uh, and wrist shackles on. It's like a jailbreak movie. So uh, let me uh, let me go ahead and get everyone introduced. Uh, first of all, uh, all the way from uh, Los Angeles, California, uh, in visiting for the holidays, Mr. Don Glute. Don, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, this is my third time on. I'm feeling like a regular right now on the show. It's uh, the fourth time you get uh, you get your name engraved on the seat. Oh, great! Great. So next I'll time, next time we'll have a big ceremony. Yeah, unfortunately, he means your seat. So oh. watch it. Yeah, don't nearly kill them. Next, one of our one of our favorite returning guests, the most knowledgeable guest on the show, Mr. Uh, Hillary Barda. He means drunk. Thank you. Yeah. He knows his he knows his drink. Knowledgeable of the bottom of the can. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> yeah. And uh, and that's last last but certainly not least, uh, artist and uh, and writer extraordinaire, uh, Mr. Tim Seeley. Good to be here. Good to be here. I had to walk the whole three blocks. <laughs> Which is really difficult. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Don comes all the way in from from Los Angeles, and you yeah. guys walk here. Yeah, and I, we're both three blocks away. Really, in, in different live, yeah. apartments, obviously. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I don't. You know, when I'm here in Chicago, I'm not that far away, and I went to high school just on the street. You're making so, us feel less special by St. saying Benedict that. High school. That's where I went to school. So, Did you say Benedict? Yeah. Oh, cool. I always see the ads. Our yeah. strength is in our size. Yeah, and Doug Mensch, who's a comic book writer, uh, <laughs> lived on Claremont, just off of uh, Irving Park. So uh, wow. it's all in the neighborhood for us. See, yeah, this, is, this is like a comic book mecca right here really in, on the north side of We have like 12 stores here, too, in this area. It's uh, uh, Tom's been saying it for the last uh, couple months. It, we we have an embarrassment of rich, riches in uh, in comic book stores here in Chicago. Well, I tell you, what, uh, looking forward to talking with you all. But first, I need to remind everyone that this episode of Around Comics is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. We're waiting for the trade; it has never been easier. InStockTrades.com offers a huge selection of the collected editions you need. InStockTrades is your source for trade paperbacks, deluxe hardcovers, essentials, showcases, archives, absolute editions, omnibus 
editions, and more, all at great discounted prices. And remember that all orders over $50 do, in fact, ship for free. And I believe that you can buy stuff from every one of you guys at in stock trades. So, yeah. yeah, I know that they have the the uh, Marvel classic What If oh. is uh, they just uh, released their fifth volume this week and uh, oh, I'm gonna get a nice big fat check from that, huh? Well, I think I, I think <laughs> I've, I've gotten all the royalties. I think the Doctor Doom one was the last one that I did for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I got paid for that already. But uh, they were nice checks. Yeah, yeah. But they uh, they have the uh, the classic what ifs. If you want to check out some of Don's stuff there. And Tim, the uh, is that hack slash omnibus ever going to get back in print? Uh, yeah, sometime this month I think. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's I I don't. That's not a Marvel book or anything. So this printing is somewhat unreliable. Uh, I'm getting that stuff out. So, yeah. But, but, you know, but, speaking, but speaking of Marvel stuff, I'm sure there'll be a new Exiles uh, trade paperback coming oh, yeah, out yeah. In, the, in the near future. Someday, yeah. So, yeah absolutely. So look, look for that. And yeah. there's plenty of other stuff out there that, uh, yeah. that Tim's done. You can actually do a search for Tim Seeley or Don Glute or Hillary Barda, and it will it will bring up the stuff that, that you guys have, have worked on. So yeah. I'm sure there's uh, some of the Splash Brannigan stuff that you did with, uh, with Alan Moore has been collected. So I'm sure that would be there, uh, among other things. Okay. Okay, sure. I'll take your word for it. Well, it's there. You know, just, just go there and do it. It's check. amazing. So, you mm-hmm. won't go away. So check out the check out those fine folks the stain at Ian's Stock Trace. Brennigan cannot be removed. <laughs> it cannot. That's a great character. Well, I tell you what, guys. I was uh, I was thinking about this at, at work today. Whenever I was looking forward to who was going to be on the panel tonight, and it was like, you, know, you guys obviously have uh, stuff in common in that you've all worked in comics at one time or another. Uh, but then I started thinking about it, and this is uh, an interesting collection in that. Each one of you have worked in comics in in really different, you know, kind of overlapping eras. You know, Darn kind of came in at the the end of the Silver Age and into the Bronze Age, and and Hillary kind of at the tail end of the Bronze Age and into the Modern Age, and then Tim obviously has worked uh, primarily in, in in the Modern Age. Well, actually, you know, all in the Modern Age. Yeah. You're not that. My old. time travel Silver Age book <laughs> just never didn't come out right. So. But it, it got me to thinking about uh, about asking you guys what the you know, not just comic books as an industry, how it's changed, but what the perception of comic books have been and how they've changed over the years. What it was like to uh, to be a professional in the comics industry in in the 1970s, and then with Hillary in the 90s, and and, and now, and, and and Tim with you as a professional working in comics now, as as Hillary does still. Um, we'll start with Don. What was it? Uh, you know, what was it like for you breaking into the industry, and how were how were comics kind of looked at as as a profession at that time? When you know, did you feel like you know uh, I I don't know if I want to tell people I I work in comics? No, I, I never did that at all. I, I started out writing for Warren mm-hmm. back in I think it's sixty nine, nineteen sixty nine. I think it was my okay. First well, certainly stuff. Silver Age then. Yeah, and then uh, then I went from there to you know pretty much everywhere. I was primarily writing for Gold Key for a long time, and then I broke into. Marvel and DC and every you know all the other companies. Um, uh, it, having been a fan, it was it was fun for me because these were being able to write characters that I grew up with. And, you know, writing Captain America was was it was a great thrill for me. Or even the non-Marvel thing, Tarzan. I, I grew up reading Jesse Marsh's Tarzan comics, and and I loved those as a kid. And there I was writing comics, Tarzan comics with Russ Manning. So those things were kind of a thrill for me to be able to have some control over the lives of the characters I grew up with. That was kind of a kick. And in those days, uh, especially the Marvel books were incredibly in. You know, they were incredibly hip back in the 60s, especially during the period when they were doing those great Fantastic Force books with the, the um, 
when Kirby and, and, and Lee really took off, when Black Bolt was first introduced mm -hmm. and all those are Surfer. Those are, yeah, those Silver books, Surfer. Yeah. Those are a great time to be reading comics, and let alone to be in them. I, I, I wasn't writing Marvel for Marvel yet that early. I came in a little bit later. Mm -hmm. I, was, I started with Marvel in the 70s. Well, I certainly Marvel, I know, um, kind of ingrained itself into the into the pop culture yeah. of the time, and and even probably more so the the counterculture. Whenever you yeah. have you know Doctor Strange on the cover of of Pink Floyd albums, and you know I think the Hulk was and Spider Man, they were both you know very much counterculture yeah, figures. And I and I like the the people that were working in the business. Then we all kind of hung out together at the conventions, or if we came to you know like. Visit each other. If I go to New York or some Jerry Conway or somebody would come to California, and we became good friends and you know party together and that sort of thing. So I don't know how it is now because I'm in the comics now, but that's how it was back then. It was almost like the the people who were writing them and editing them and drawing them were part of their own little Justice Leagues and Avengers groups, you know. And um, and it, it was it was a great time to be in it. Well, we hear stories. Now everybody just does podcasts. That's really way down. Around the country and just, just talking to microphones. That's we what they did in that movie, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. They podcast. Remember yeah, exactly right. Because yeah. we, are, we are the pod people. Yeah. But, you know, you always hear stories about, um, you know, in the in the the early years, more than, you know, like Golden Age, of like, you know, the EC guys and whatnot, that it, it wasn't really uh, a highly respected industry. There were a lot of guys that, you know, in uh, from the viewpoint of people outside of the industry, these were a lot of the folks that couldn't make it in advertising or couldn't or the make strips. The yeah. comic strips. We, yeah, I, we, yeah, we had a group yeah. in California called CAPS, which stood for Comic Art Professional Society. It's still it there. Was, is it still there? Mm -hmm. And you know, we would meet once a week, I think it was, or once a month. I forgot what it was. And um, there was always that, you know, that uh, that pervading uh, idea that that it, you know, if you weren't doing strips, you were kind of slumming, or you couldn't get into the. <laughs> The, what you know, the really the professional stuff, and that we were like a lower class or something. And but I think in the old days, in the 40s, you got to remember a lot of us became comic book professionals because that's what we grew up on. You know, we, we were fans. But people like you know uh, Bob Kane and Joe Schuster, Jerry Siegel, um, they weren't fans of comics because there were no comics. Yeah, they, they, they didn't have anyone it. to follow. And a lot of them were, were you know they may have been fiction writers or you know just artists in general and and they invented the whole thing so it wasn't like they were like i had the thrill of writing captain america they created captain yeah. america and there was no captain america before that so i think it was a, yeah, joe a simon bit, wasn't like ooh, captain america right right it was a little bit different and now in some cases i think it's like the lunatics are in charge of the asylum you know <laughs> uh, the way they to me destroyed so many of these classic characters yeah. which is a whole different topic which won't be but i think at that time in terms of art it, it was uh comic books were pretty much at the bottom then came uh, the strips, and then came the slick magazines. Right. So guys would do strips maybe, and then graduate. You know, they'd move, but they were always moving out. You know, the various the various people who you know, were heroes in comics couldn't wait to get out of comics. Uh, that changed over time when comics got more and more credibility. I well, think. sure. Well, you look, yeah. you know, in like the '60s, and, and two guys I can think of just <clears throat> off the, the top of my head would be uh, uh, Jim Stranko and, and Neil Adams. I mean, those were guys that were, you know, incredibly talented. Very, you know, visually. Stranko did very little comics work when you really get down. Yeah. To it. But left such a mark of what he yeah. did. It's almost like Frazetta in that it didn't do a lot of work, but what he did has kind of left this, you know, indelible uh, yeah. mark on on the industry. Stranko essentially. Took Eisner and, and did it as superheroes, you know, in an adventure. I mean, and brought that sense of storytelling and added his own design to it and dynamism. 
But yeah, he didn't do a lot of comics. Don's right. But I mean, Serenko did something else um, <clears throat> that a lot of artists, most artists don't do, most writers don't do, but a few have. Uh, he created a persona about himself. You know, he the right. the, the, the Jim Steranko mascot in the boots <laughs> yeah. and the and, whole thing. And I thing, know Jim yeah. very well. And you know, he's mm -hmm. he's not exactly the character off camera as he is on. He's camera. a hulking man. At yeah. least right. no, he, he's still he a little does sick. adopt that, yeah, but yes, but <laughs> yeah. it's a publicity. But he's Mr. He re kind of reinvented himself. Sure, you know, yeah. and I I know a few artists that have like publicists and headshots and things. Yeah, uh, Bill Stout. Uh, did that? He's he's got a publicist and an official headshot, and and I think more people are familiar with Bill Stout, the artist, and the art with the actual his art. Yeah, Steranko you know. had almost like an Andy Warhol. Yes, yeah. and aura Andy about Warhol. It. I think the two, if if it hadn't been for Andy Warhol making pop art, really, uh, you know, something you would see in a gallery, and and and, and, the, and all the the elitist people starting suddenly starting to pick up on the camp thing. Andy Warhol and the Batman TV show. Are probably responsible, at least indirectly, for a, a lot of the success of successful artists and writers of the 19, that 1960s period. Kind of growing out, you know, I was, I was joking about Stranko being a you know a huge man. Uh, he has such a, a big persona and a, and, a, and a huge legacy. I met him in New York a couple of years ago, and he is a tiny little guy. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. It's, it's hard to get out of traps if you're a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Miracle. Well, yeah. he's and he does that stuff like. John, didn't uh, didn't the Marvels for a period in the late 60s have pop art right on there by the Marvel logo? Didn't they say a pop art comic or something like that? Uh, was it? I, I think they. Yeah. Yeah. They pop art production. Pop art production. Pop art production. Yeah. Then DC had those go-go checks and things. Right. Very cool. Well, uh, moving on to, to Hillary. When was when was your first um, uh, professional work in comics? Just so I can get a frame of reference. Uh, you know, I don't. I mean, I probably won't be able to call up the exact date, but uh, the whenever, hour. like, I like when. The hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I uh, I started inking uh, the, when the Defenders was drawn by Don Perlin. I inked a few things, a few pages here and there. Actually, they were trying me out on little things, and the, the thing was the first uh, comic book that I inked for Marvel. That was uh, John Byrne. Uh, scripted it and uh, but I can't remember the exact year sometime in the 80s right okay somewhere back then yeah was it thing the two in one thing or just the regular just thing the thing it was an ongoing series yeah, okay. yeah there's there's been a few things series yeah, yeah Ron Wilson was the artist uh, kind of a Kirby inspired guy okay so so early 80s and, and at that point how was how was um, uh, comic booking referred to as you know as or, or looked at as as a career as a profession well I mean I don't think there was any kind of Suntress is here. Who let who let the dog? Every, every time Suntress comes here, he tries he tries to pet this dog, and Coco has none of it. <laughs> John, leave the bitch alone, will you? <laughs> It's like I'm a fugitive, like from uh, but you can smell actually, the blood on you know, yeah, his John, hand. John, John, actually, he is he's, get, he's the one armed man. It's, <laughs> exactly. It's the salami in his pants. Come on, get out! <laughs> I, killed, I killed Kimball's wife. All right. Anyway, sorry. Back in the gutter. Um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think comics had any kind of stigma. You know, working them. Uh, far from it. It was probably considered cool, as Don said. And I, for me, it was certainly cool. I remember seeing Don's books on the stands. Gold key books, uh, the Warren black and whites, all that stuff, and you know, it, even fancies. I, I grew up in Evanston. I was born in Chicago, moved to Evanston, and the, our local newsstand. The guy was so cool who, who ordered the books there. He had fanzines. The Rocket Blast comic collector was actually in the you know on sale in the newsstand. He would he just saw an ad in the back of a Marvel and said, "Oh, I'll buy this thing and see if it sells." And so I was. Without even going to a convention, I was I, I, I learned about fandom that way. 
And I'll tell you, thinking back, when I was writing, when I was doing, when my, I was making my living off writing comic books, I when people asked me what I did, like at a party or something, <clears throat> I very proudly said I write comic books. Yeah. I, I don't know how many yeah. artists or writers you know, in the forties would have said something right. like that, <laughs> yeah. but I did, and I aspired to it. I wanted to. I remember back when my musician days, and I wasn't doing, I was writing other things, you know. Articles for Monster Magazine, things like that. And I used to tell people, I would really like to write comics. When they asked me, what would you like to do? And that's what I wanted to do. And I, and I did. Yeah, you aspired to it. Yeah. And I, I, think, I, think, I think it's pretty much been the same ever since. You know, and most everybody now grows up as a fan. You know, they're, they're, that's just the way it is. You know, and that's how you're drawn into it. I'm sure there are still cases of professionals who kind of gravitate towards it after they've done other things. There's plenty of cases now where people write movies first and then yeah. then write comics. That was their way of breaking into comics. Sure, I think you, I think you find that more with writers than you do yeah, with artists. with artists. I, I think you know. Though art, some some people come from storyboards. I yeah. mean, there, there is that where people do the storyboards first and then get into the comics. There's there's a certain more there's more crossover. Say, really, it's not like you just you automatically get up and out of comics and you're gone. People come back. There's you know there's still a prestige. You can have you. You know, you can come back and they'll promote you as the guy who made that movie or whatever, and it'll. But having worked with, uh, you know, on television, animation shows and movies where storyboards are involved, I, I have found that the people who started off doing comics turned out to be much better storyboard artists. Get so they, that, yeah. They've been trained to think visually and, and not just, you know, talking heads. Tell, th right. tell things sequentially. You know, I, I asked. Uh, 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 John Byrne, we interviewed him a couple of years ago, and in, in a roundabout question, basically asked him if he had ever considered, you know, going to Hollywood and becoming a, a storyboard artist. You know, it was if it was more lucrative, that kind of stuff. And he's like, you know, what I do, not storyboards. And and he had very much this this opinion that that he probably could do storyboards if he tried to, but mm. but his his what he did as a cartoonist was so different than storyboards. And they are, and a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. They think that you're looking, when you look at a comic book, you're looking at visually a, sto a storyboard for a movie that doesn't exist yet or may never get made. And, and that could be, that could be the yeah. case. But in, com in yeah. comics, you can go from a, a panel of a guy talking close-up to a wide shot of the exterior of the building with the dialogue. You can't do that in a movie. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta keep within a certain... Yeah. Geography there, you know, you can't go from a really long shot to a sudden close-up. It, it, it would jar you out of your seat. Yeah, there are things and that you can of, do in comics. And there's screen directions. I, I worked with a storyboard artist. I won't mention his name because he's a very revered artist. But uh, he was getting his screen directions and his his, his camera angles, which looked great as a comic, but they didn't work as a movie. Hmm. Now, how about you? Mr. Seeley, the the whippersnapper out of the group. Yeah, I haven't been the whippersnapper in so long. I kind of forgot. That's like, um, I don't know, man, because I think well, by the time I came into it, you would say, you know, people ask you what you do, and you say I draw comics, and they'd say they still make comics. Yeah, <laughs> I was Which afraid is, you were going mean, to say weird, that. What, yeah. And I don't. I mean, it's not a criticism necessarily, and no one ever says, well, that's dumb. But uh, I, there's at least until well, when I first started, it was like kind of just after like the X Men movie just come out, you know, the first one. And then you started seeing people like, oh yeah, they still make comics. And now, of course, today, you know, with all the movies and stuff, people are at least aware that comics exist. But um, definitely, when I started, it was, you know, yeah. it was mostly just a sort of like surprise that that still that still went on. Like, where would you even buy one of those things? Um, I think, I mean, it's definitely changed now. Uh, I don't know if it's for the better. Did they ever ask you? Uh, well, don't computers do that? I, I, yeah. <laughs> people ask me that question all the time. I'm like. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just program them. You know? it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I work with computers. Yeah. You know? But, yeah, it's, you know, kind of getting back to the to the whole perception of comics and how they've changed over the years. I, I think with now, um, there, there's such this, this close connection between comics and, and movies. And yeah. I don't know how much longer that's going to... Yeah, to, to be the case. Well, I, I just have a weird thing too, because um, I mean, just when do, with doing Hack Slash, obviously is like a, a indie book, so it doesn't sell a fraction of what, what like what you were, you know, numbers you were selling when when you were writing comics. I mean, I my Hack Slash book sells like like two percent of that, um, but then I get mail, and it seems like the only time I get mail is from people in Hollywood. You know, like I got an email from like a producer guy last week whose work I'm completely familiar with. And you know, but I don't get mail from like just people off the street reading. But I, I don't think anyone reads like those comics except for people looking for properties to make end up movies. It is kind of scary. Like that. Well, in, in San Diego at the convention, just everybody's walking around with their comic to sell to a producer, and there are producers who are walking around going to the various comic yeah. companies looking for properties to buy. And there's this weird yeah. thing that I'd never seen before. I had been away for a few years, and it was. Last couple of years, it is really. Very odd. I mean, I, I, I guess. I mean, if there isn't an audience to sort of buy that stuff now, versus when when you started out, which I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the lowest selling comics at that time is like three hundred thousand. Yeah, uh, the forties would be selling selling the millions. Millions, yeah. 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 But yeah. now, like you can, I mean, you can do an indie book, and I mean, you're not going to make much money off it, but you can get it out at three thousand. Yeah, well, those were the days of returnable comics. Right, they totally the different stands, game, the, the right? black, yeah. you know, the black and white boom created the comic book store market where they would do the non-returnable. It's a totally different thing. You yeah, can survive on sure. selling five thousand copies. Now. Yeah, but and it's a weird. I mean, it's. I mean, that's like that's like the size of the market for like poetry books, you know. Yeah. But um, but there's a more of a prestige to it than that because, I mean, the people who are like these producers and movie guys. Um, they're certainly nice to me, and if I was just if I was doing a poetry book, I'm sure they wouldn't give a shit about me. So um, you can get a certain amount of. I mean, they at least respect comics in a weird way. But uh, I mean, I I just wish I had the readership that. I mean, uh, you know, it would be great to have. Yeah, four hundred thousand people. It's, it's kind of weird. There is this level of respect with with the medium now. Maybe not the maybe not fandom. Maybe not yeah. the people that that really love the comics and you know the yeah. people that come into the shop every week. You know. You, Geeks like me, yeah. Um, but it's it, it's kind of funny in that it, it's kind of almost lost that um, that kind of it's it's mine yeah. and it's only mine kind of feel to it. Well, there's it this weird thing that happened when we when we we used to, I mean comics didn't have respect necessarily. They were sort of throwaway pop culture trash, which is you know fine, but they were sold like crazy. And now that they are somewhat respected, they they don't sell as much. So it's this weird sort of thing like we we. We gained integrity, but we lost readership. You know, I don't, I don't know numbers. if respect and integrity are the right <laughs> words for, for attention from Hollywood. But, but no, I mean, but no, still, I, you can win. You can now be on like you know, Entertainment Weekly's list of 100 great American novels. Be a comic book. I mean, that yeah. would not have happened in the 40s. That, that never. Right. But I think it's just yeah. the in, the interest has shifted. Yeah. The people people still love superheroes and that kind of fantasy adventure. You mm -hmm. know, except. In the old days, uh, the only way you could get that was in a comic book. Sure. And now, the movies can do it better. They can do more spectacular special effects. They, yeah. they can be drawn. They give you the sound effects and everything. Do it in 3D and they, all these other things. And so the people are, have just shifted their, you know, the, the, the medium has shifted uh, that they focus on. It's not the book anymore. It's it's the movie. Well, you have, you can pay your ten bucks and you can go and sit down and yeah. you know sit back in your seat and be dazzled. In the superhero movie, which 
you know, when I was a kid, what did we have? We had the Superman television show. If you were lucky, you could rent an old Republic serial, and that was about it. Then you had Batman in the 60s, but now it's mainstream. Mainstream Spider-Man movies and fan, these are all mainstream movies. And when I was a kid, you were lucky, you know, to get a halfway passable B movie on a Saturday afternoon that that the audience wouldn't laugh at too much, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm actually I'm writing an article right now, kind of talking about how I started reading comics. And when I was 12, 11, 12 years old, I would come home from school every day, and at 5.30 on the local PBS station in Southern Illinois, Doctor Who came on, and I watched Doctor Who every night after school, and, you know, this is at a time that, you know, this would have been 1985, 86, it's like, hey, you know what, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back had come out, so, I mean, we were seeing big budget special effects on the big screen, but, you know, on, on the small screen, on TV, it it wasn't there yet, and now we're talking like you know mid to late seventies BBC quality right, special right. effects. They, Cardboard what, robots. And yeah, stuff. what terrible! Yeah. But I tell you what, to, to the twelve-year-old that I was, there was nothing more fantastical right. than than what I was seeing in Doctor Who, and then it was the Doctor Who comics, the ones that you know, looking at the, you know, all the old Dave Gibbons stuff that is now being reprinted was so good. So it's while there's that the big and bang and and awesome you know million-dollar special effects movies I, I still think for you know i hope for a lot of kids that just the the seed of the idea is enough and that you know hopefully kids have enough imagination sure. in their in their minds to to fill in the gaps and realize how how spectacular things can be without having like the, these huge buzz budgets i still go back and watch the old doctor who stuff and oh, it's, sure. and it's a lot it's of fun. heart and soul i mean that's yeah and a lot of times you lose that in those big big films that you know have these amazing special effects that the the heart is just out of it it's just like a dead yeah, soul it just, it's just an assault of the senses you know yeah, you, yeah. every shot is a half second long accompanied by a loud noise and you can't understand what anybody's saying because they speak so quick and they whisper it and there's a big boom in the background at the same time they're whispering this and you just you don't know what the plot is you know uh, <laughs> but uh, you know in this and sort of the same way when i was a kid i was a huge superman fan but I didn't learn how to read till I was seven years old when I was in second grade. Seven years old is when I learned how to read. So a little bit before that, I saw the comics and I could see the pictures. But my main exposure to Superman, going back to at least the age of three, and I have memories of this, was the Superman radio show. So I grew up first. On, I had like about three or four years of the Superman radio show, I think, before I even saw a Superman comic book, let alone read one. And uh, so that's what, what made the Before the that, it was the Superman telegraph. The, super, the <laughs> Superman smoke signal and the cave paintings. Remember the cave paintings? <laughs> People talk about Frank Miller as a genius, mm -hmm. and they speak him as the graphic artist, probably, you know, <laughs> or the graphic novelist or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But, but no really, they know him as the director. No. Sure, that, they really a weird don't. Thing, know. I'm really surprised that you know you like read some critical reviews of Spear, which none are good. But um, <laughs> the, the the but they still will mention that you know you know his comic work was better, or you know if you want to check out Will Eisner's comic instead of this, yeah. it's mentioned. I mean, you know that really surprised me. Actually, I was like. See, that's wow, the, that's, that's Will Eisner. What's interesting? That, well, I'm go ahead. No. I was going to say that's the problem with the spirit, and I mean the spirit, awesome. It's never a comic that I'm going to hand a first time comic book reader. Yeah, no, it's it's academic level. But you know the thing was, it was introductory level back in the day. I mean, it was a newspaper strip for before anything, and 
you know, that's really a, that, I mean, used to get, I mean, just think of the readership when he was doing that, when oh, you're talking yeah. about strips, and you're talking about millions of people, because in a newspaper, when people actually read newspapers, which they don't, but, uh. Well, yeah. the interesting, you know, obviously we're talking about two different mediums, and people do often talk about them as they're, if they're interchangeable, the way the characters shift from comics to movies or whatever. But I remember talking to Mike Mignola about Hellboy, and he's just like, well, you know, if they made the Hellboy movie, if I made the movie, if they made the comic as the movie, if they really translated it, no one would go see it, because it would be this incredibly quiet Moody thing. It would, it would be a Gus Van Zant movie. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it would. Well, totally maybe it would be, like, yeah. maybe it would be a Jacques Tourneur movie. You know, I mean, it would be something from a different era that would have mood and atmosphere uh, that the comic has, where there are long, long pauses. Just, you know, just, just, just the sight of a dark hallway. It would fill you with dread. Well, there's no time for that in the movies that they make now. That has to be people racing down that hallway and monsters bursting through the wall or whatever. Every ten seconds, climax, 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 till the climaxes don't mean anything. And my climaxes concern, always mean something. Well, color. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I've seen that trailer for uh, Valkyrie. I don't know how many times. The only line of dialogue I ever been able to understand is, "We got to kill Hitler." Everything else is boom, boom, boom. Right. I have no idea what they're talking about, yeah. saying in that yeah. in that trailer. Well, yeah. Don, you're a you're a filmmaker, and and you obviously know that a ton of stuff is getting you know, adapted to, to film now. Have you ever uh, have you gone out and read any of the comics that any of these movies are being based on now? Just yeah, I read to... some Spider Man's years okay. ago, okay. and <laughs> Iron Man years ago, and the Hulk years ago. No, but stuff you know, stuff like you know, History of Violence or Road to Perdition. No, you know, maybe no. you know, non superhero fair. Good stuff. That, yeah, no. I mean, it, it, I might I might go back and. I've never read Watchmen. I might, I might read Watchmen after that movie comes out. Dude, read it now. Read it before the movie comes out. Is it yep. bad? No, I mean, the movie oh. probably be good. <laughs> it's the greatest, greatest comic but ever But I'm written. just, I mean, the movie, I have no idea. It looks good. But that comic is really, uh, it really is something to see, but definitely see before the movie. Mm. Just because it's, it's not going to be, what it is as a comic book can't be what it is as a movie. It's so much about the, like you said, it's about the small shots. It's about the, yeah. you know, it's about the. In, you're not going to be able to do that in the movie. Not well, I think the problem with the Watchmen movie. really is the structure. It's so. You know, I mean, everything Moore does is really focused on structure. The way the page is structured, the way the, the chapters are down to every panel. There's just no way you could do that as a movie. It's you, you don't structure movies. Which is okay. I mean, we can say that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, the movie has to be something else. Well, right. let's, let's just put it this way. It's going to be something else. Yeah. You actually probably could come up with an equivalent. You know, there are ways of structuring film, but they're not going to do that. That's, yeah. They're, gonna, they're not. They're going to they're gonna treat it more traditionally, action-adventure. But if it, if it turns people... I mean, I think Watchmen is one of those really entry-level things, too, where you could go see that movie and go, that was a lot of fun. Well, that, and you I might mean, be that, inspired that, to turn around by a trick. That's the brilliance you, of Watchmen and why I think it will yeah. succeed where you know some of Moore's other stuff maybe hasn't. I think first of all, I think it's in the right hands with Zack Snyder. He he showed with three hundred that he can take yeah. a, a comic book and and he eliminates and, the context, but makes a fun movie. But you know. Watchmen, it works so well on the surface level before you get to to right. what else is there that I think it will make a very fun murder mystery for right. for a movie with people running around in tights and blowing things up. Sure. I think it's going to work fine. But uh, it will be interesting because what Snyder has done in comics before with, with like 300, what he did there was took a relatively small story with not a whole lot of subtext that Frank Miller did, and he expanded it to the big screen. Actually right. added story in yeah. where the I think the difficulty be, with Watchmen yeah. is paring back. It'll what, be subtractive. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's but I mean, that's fine. You know, I mean, but I mean, if that turns people on to, you know, turn, I mean, obviously just for the sales of Watchmen already. 
uh, the, the trades. I mean, I think you see people, you're going to see a lot of people go, I'm curious to see, you know, what what this was based on. And then they're going to, the, the awesome thing about that book is that is a textbook version of why comic books are way better than film. I mean, that that right there, that book, is the best example I can think of yeah. of why what makes comics better. Well, people have been saying for years the book is better than the movie. You know, and now right. I, hopefully we'll see and that. But it'll allow a lot of people who've never maybe read a comic before to be like, Holy shit! I didn't know. I I expected Garfield. I expe I really expected Garfield. I expected three things. Odie falls off the table, and that's it. But it's like, you know, that's that. This is a textbook version of how to make storytelling that just you know, just works on multiple levels and shows you all these things. You know, the things in that book that are not translatable to film. Uh, the, you know, the 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 fact that you could spend a little bit of time looking at a panel it gives you the time to look at the background and get all this sort of context and subtext stuff that's in there and. You can't do that, film, and that's that's okay. That's good. It'll it'll show. You, you know? I mean, you again. You can, but mm. that's not. They don't hold They're a shot long enough. Maybe do if it was. You know, yeah. uh, I'm not a, an anime fan. You know, I do voices for anime movies. <laughs> um, but I've the ones I've seen, uh, at least the older ones, just a lot of slow, where people just talk and have a yeah. you know have a conversation, which you don't see, like in a Saturday morning cartoon or an American animation film or something. And those slower moments and more thoughtful moments. Um, so maybe if that was done as an anime. I, you know, I, yeah. there's obviously other kinds of comics, and other kinds of comics are adapted into films. And I, uh, for instance, is a Ghost World, which is the Dan Klaus mm -hmm. uh, book that, that that was made into a film, and that's more human scale. It's not action adventure. Mm -hmm. They made a lot of changes, and yet he, the writer of the comic, the creator Kept of the, the comic, was it. involved. And it, you know, it had the integrity and the blessing, you know, of, of, of mm. the creator, and it really had the same kind of feel. And they both, both things, different mediums captured these real kids. You know, they really had the same quality about them, but they were completely different. That might be the one case where I actually enjoyed the film more than the comic, because yeah. the film kind of endeavored to. Uh, there, I mean, the the the, 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 the it seems like the comic is more about sort of the empty spaces and the sort of sad sort of thing and there's a little bit more character in the film which is weird I thought it I was felt that way more... about uh, yeah. uh, History of Violence I thought it was a better film than a comic and I and I like yeah, I like the comic I that but... too yeah absolutely yeah. History yeah. of Violence was a comic I didn't know that yes. yeah uh, the Cronenberg it's Max Allen Collins Max Allen no, Collins no he's speaking oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Cronenberg movie yeah yeah, yeah. 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 A, a, a good comic Max and Allen like Collins really who, good who film wrote uh, Dick Tracy yeah, for yeah, years and years yeah a really good comic also but yeah it's it's a who knew? Who knew that a writer that good could come from the uh, yeah. eastern Iowa? <laughs> Not me, um, Don. You when, when you started talking about Road to Perdition, right? You're talking about History of History Violence. Violence. Yeah. Road to yeah. Perdition. That's a different comic. That's a movie. Yeah, also yeah. Yeah. Okay, but so that's, go ahead. Tom Hanks. So I go thought ahead. of that as a Cronenberg movie. Yeah, it's well, a, Cronenberg, movie. which it is. I always like David Cronenberg movies. Yeah. So. It's a good movie, but it, yeah. it's a comic. First, it's yeah. um, it's I, I will grab it. It's uh, there it is, right there. So, uh, this, yeah. For you podcasters out there I'm listening, pointing. we're pointing to one of the shelves <laughs> here at, uh, at, at Dark it. Tower I'll, Comics. I'll grab it for you in a second. But uh, uh, Don, you started out in your in your amateur filmmaking, uh, working with a lot of the, the the monsters, you know, Universal monsters, and and stuff. but then yeah, and, and superheroes. And you know, I uh, saw your movies with you know, Spy Smasher and uh, Captain America, and, two three Captain America movies. So we, I mean, we always sit around as as comic fans go, wow, you know. I'd love to see a movie with this character. Or, you know, I hope they make a movie with this character. Well, you did that. I did that. It, 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 was there ever a character that that you would have loved to have made a, a movie of and never I got a chance to? I actually planned the Blue Beetle movie. 
They, the which golden, I never made. golden Age Blue Beetle. Golden Age Blue Beetle, yeah. which I never made. Uh, I had a Superman at the Earth's Core movie plan, uh, with uh, where he goes to Pellucidar. And then uh, when I realized how impractical that was, <laughs> uh, I gave that up. Uh, I, I was going to make... Um, uh, a movie of Commando Yank. Remember Commando Yank? It was a Fawcett character. I have no from the idea. I, I've seen the title. And the reason I was going to do Commando, Commando Yank was Yank. because I was starring myself in these movies. Uh-huh. And I was, you know, uptight about wearing tights. So I was trying to find characters that didn't wear tights. Yeah. That were superheroes. Yeah. Commando Yank didn't wear tights. So, that's such a, that's uh, such a, a game. I thought of that. Yeah. So uh, you know, I did the spirit. I did my own version of the spirit. Oh, that's he cool. didn't wear tights, you know. But I uh, finally I did it's, a Superman it's, it's film t- where I, you just saw him for the waist up, the first one. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. t- it's time to get that spirit film out uh, in DVD before the it's other on a, It's on uh, I Was a Teenage Movie Maker. I've got that right here. It's, it's on there. And with commentary tracks, it's got Glenn Strange playing the Frankenstein monster. Wow. It's Glenn got, Strange. It's got every spirit character in the world. Oh, yeah. It's, it's called The Adventures of the Spirit. It was a five-chapter serial. Mm-hmm. It had... The Spirit, Superman, Rocket Man, the Green Hornet, the Mummy, Frankenstein's Monster, the Shadow. Uh, I, I bend down to you and uh, geek. The Wolfman, <laughs> Captain America. You Captain are America, badass. Captain America is attacked by the Wolfman and turns into a werewolf. You <laughs> they know. did that later in the comic. Remember uh, awesome. Wolfman, Captain America? Well, they yeah. stole it from me. Werewolf they did. By night. Werewolf by night. Yeah, wow. Is this you here on the, on the, on the DVD yeah. box? Yeah, yeah that's cool. Me. This looks very and, cool. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's called I Was a Teenage Movie it's 12 Maker. 12 Hours of Stuff. Don't watch it all in one sitting. You'll go blind. You will go blind. Wow. And there's also a book and a soundtrack CD. Available from you, Cinema Epic. Yeah, or you can you get it from Lloyd Amazon.com. Like, Amazon. I mean, do you know Troma and Lloyd Kaufman and stuff? I met Lloyd Kaufman a couple times. I don't okay. really know him. You know. Okay. Because yeah. I'm saying that's very interesting. I want you, you guys talk movies. Go. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think, I mean, I've seen your I've seen his, uh, uh, Mommy's Kiss and... Uh, which one did I also see? I saw Blood um, Scarab. Uh, 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 the cave, uh, the cave. Dennis Valley. Dennis Valley. Uh, because I grew up as a B movie, big fan. My dad, uh, that was what we would do. We would rent, and he let me watch R-rated, you know, movies, whatever. And uh, but like explains a lot. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> but like seduction cinema, all like like that. That's amazing that you did those films. I didn't, actually wasn't aware that you had done that stuff. I knew. Um, I was primarily interested in being on the show because I was like, "That dude wrote for He-Man." And I'm a big, I'm a big fucking He-Man nerd. So, but no, that's really awesome, and uh, uh, it's it's funny that, yeah, you were like the dad I could have had. That's kind of like thanks for not saying granddad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not at all. You but no, we had like young whippish. You're like scary, scary similarities. Because then I, uh, uh, I was a big trauma fan, and then I did actually did a trauma comic for them, which is like uh, short stories of trauma stuff. Because I've always been a bigger fan of low-budget stuff because it's got more heart. I really care about heart, obviously. I was defending Tarot, the Witch of the Black Rose. <laughs> the mother's kids had a heart. We took it out. You could yeah. see it in the see, hand. Well, I've always, yeah, usually, I, mean, I was going to say they're throbbing and on the floor bouncing around. Yeah. But I've always had, like, a, a, you know, to me, like, most of the time, you know, studio films and stuff, always sort of, they, you can see the investors standing on the sidelines going, no, that won't go with, you know, whatever. And I always you had to tell who the investor's girlfriend is and who the investor's yeah. brother-in-law was who rewrote the script. You know, yeah, production totally values got in the way from the beginning. I mean, MGM could never make the films, the gritty films Warner Brothers made because they had too much money. They right. threw money at everything. Yeah, and so everything looked glossy, even when they were trying to walk down yeah, Skid Row. Yeah, the film the sure. movies were glossy. Yeah, and yeah. you the horror pictures were glossy. Yeah, you couldn't. They couldn't make them. They didn't know how to do it. So, I mean, and I think that translated eventually. Like you get these <laughs> these newer films, and I think like some of the best films I've seen in the last ten years were. You know, like some of the trauma films, like they did this film called Poultry Guys, which is probably one of the 
greatest movie I've ever seen. Wait, po- poultry guys? Yeah, chickens. I actually worked on that film, so if you could see it, I did designs for the the chicken uh, <laughs> for the fast food restaurant. But uh, in any case, like, so I mean, I think it's awesome that you're turning around and doing the films after you've been uh, in this sort of. Uh, you know, you've, you've done everything in fandom that a geek could want. Anything to avoid getting a job is what it boils down to. <laughs> <laughs> then I say props to you, sir, and I salute. Because seriously, that's I mean, that's the dream. I, I'd never want to make films. I I think uh, I've worked on films before. It seems like the worst thing ever. No offense. Oh, it's the greatest thing. And once if, if, if that's your passion, once that gets in your system, in your blood, there's, it's like a drug. There's just no turning back. You're addicted for life. I, I couldn't do anything... Anything else, you know? Oh, of course, I write these dinosaur books, but I'm thinking of phasing those out, you know. Just uh, focus on the. I used to try to do too many things. I was spreading myself too thin. You know, it's interesting. I I remember when I, uh, before I really got working professionally, there was the romance about comics. You know, I would read a lot because fanzines were going, and so I read about the golden age. And you would read about the bullpens, and of course, later I realized. These were really, you know, just horrible places to work, where the people were underpaid, the sweat and there was shops. a guy sta- yeah. yeah, the sweatshops, you know, yeah, and you know, and there was this editor screaming at you and tearing the page out of your hand and handing it to someone else, and you never really could do what you wanted and and create that personal thing. It always had to be part of the the machine, but. I romanticized that, I guess. Like a and party. I th- well, I think other people romant- romanticized the the golden age and all that in, in many ways. And those are the greatest comics. And, and then they said that about the Silver Age, or whatever. But I wonder if they'll, they'll say that about today's comics. Well, I, I the weirdly, know. I mean, we're the. This, this, it's actually the truth. We're the most free and most sort of independent able now, for sure. I mean, I can do a book for... Well, you can do a book and publish it yourself, pretty much, yeah. Just like you can make a movie. Or create do a record album. Yeah, sure. Or I can do a book through Image and get, you know, major distribution in comic stores. uh, And I can do it from my apartment by myself, and it's just pure me. DIY. Yeah. You really can can do that now. Yeah, you get an Amazon just to be able to barcode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine what those, like, just guys trying to distribute movies in the 30s and 40s. They would actually have to drive in their car from theater to theater, you know, when they didn't work with a major distributor. Right. Drop it on. I mean, yeah. I mean, there there was advantages to those things, too, obviously, because, you know, I mean, you, you think about how, you know, films used to be, you could get, like, just a southern USA distribution like a lot of old horror movies are just shown in the south and they were like the grindhouse sort of stuff yeah. and there was driving tr- you know truck to truck driving van to van driving around showing a, on a on a drive through screen you could do that then you can't do that now obviously you can't get a film to show because of all the chains own everything whatever etc no and it's not uh, it's people true. people do that yeah i'm sorry we we had our premiere of this new movie blood scare but the music box the most probably well, that's the an most, independent theater arguably though. the most prestigious theater in chicago now sure and, but it's the theater i grew up in as a kid so yeah. that was a extra thrill for me and i just knocked on the door i i i, I was walking down the street and i knocked on the door i said hey i live in california we made this movie and i used to live down the street you know the guy just rolled out the red carpet you know yeah. but like, that's also i mean that's such an exception and also yeah, those guys those guys are movie buffs yeah, that's called running, for, for uh, walling you, it you have to rent yeah. the theater you know sure and then the other i mean you know my hometown in central wisconsin if you went to the theater that's owned by you know universal and said i got this film they'd be like Get the fuck out! Like, but, was, I mean, no, it wouldn't but, even but in be. terms of getting your stuff screened, I mean, the, there are, I don't know how many theaters are, are like that. I'm sure there are a few around the country and in, in big cities, especially. But then you have revival houses, yeah. uh, film societies, and people get their small films out there. Obviously, oh, and film the internet. festivals, but the, reality, the internet being the, the well, biggest. Well, then there's one. the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah so exactly. The reality, you know, if you want to make your hundreds of millions of dollars profit, you got to get a huge theatrical release. But the reality is, when people are spending. 
10 bucks or more just to walk in the door, not to mention what parking is like and what buying popcorn. If you mm-hmm. take a date or your wife or your family, you, you know, you could, you, could, you could become an investor in the movie for what you pay to, to go in to see it. Yeah. And you, you don't want to see a low-budget film. You want to see, you know, Tom Cruise and a million explosions and all these loud noises and things. That's what you want to see. You want your senses to be assaulted. So the independents can't compete with that. And what You're we saying have to do... people want to be assaulted by Tom Cruise? <laughs> well, some, mm. well, some people might. But yeah. the, um, the thing is, um, when you're in the independent world like I am, and you're, you can't compete with them. People say, why don't right. you make a nice family movie? Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna, I, how am I going to compete with Disney You know, making a family movie? Uh, the, what, what the buyers want when you, t- when you take your film to the film market, like the American film market every year in Santa Monica, California, they come and they say, how much nudity, how much gore, how much violence. That's what they want. The and shit that's not mainstream. And then, and then they'll yeah. say, you who's in You have to make a family it? movie about cannibals, a yeah. cannibal family. <laughs> and that's that's really what you have to do. Naked, and, naked and if there's a name they recognize, like some, you know, some has-been TV star from the 70s or something, they, their eyes light up. You know, sure. Because they're still a big star in their, in their whatever territory they're from. Right. So you've got to give the audience something that the major studios are not giving them. And that's why you got all these gore films, very yeah. sexy movies, that sort of thing. A pretty good. My, um, my friend uh, Tiffany Shepard is like a B movie queen kind of thing, and the stories that she kind of tells about how you know, just what's your name? Tiffany Shepard. Oh, oh, I think it's a, a Jules Shepard who I who I know. He's oh, also a B movie queen. But just, I mean, it is all about this sort of like, you know, if you're going to go, if you're sitting at home, you're like, I'm bored. I'm going to go to the video store. Uh, at that point, everything is equalized. Uh, you know, basically, you go to the video <laughs> store with your ten bucks. You're like, I'm going to rent something. Um, direct a video and it's got boobs and blood in it, and you're like, oh, I'm in that kind of mood. You could do that, or you could do, you know, Wally. You don't know. It could be either. You know, at that point, everything's equalized. Really, mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, it's like I'm kind of bored. Boobs and blood would do it. The movie theater, they're not going to do it. But, you know. So the trick is, you got to make a low budget. You know, when you're when you're cut off from that major theatrical release. You can't, there's a certain amount of money you can't spend beyond if you hope to make your money back. If your movie does successful in all the the, 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 the various venues that it's going to be shown or, or sold in, and that's I see a lot of people just shooting themselves in the foot by making movies that are too expensive, maybe just by a hundred thousand dollars too expensive, and they end up, you know, uh, not being able to make the money back. I mean, isn't the most uh, successful filmmaker ever Roger Corman? You know, he yeah, never lost my, money in every of, movie. Right. One of my role models, yeah. Yeah. Roger yeah. Corman. Is, and plus, he's a really smart man besides being talented. Yeah. Very, very smart and a smart businessman, which a lot of creative people aren't, you know, myself included. I don't know anything about business. Me neither. But he knows he's got, you know, he's both sides of his brain. Well, uh, along the lines of what you were talking about before in terms of, like, the content that these distributors or, or you know, producers want in the films, I remember uh, one of the documentaries on Corman, uh, one of the young directors working on him would say, well, you know, you'd show your script to Roger, and it would come back with notes. Like on the side of the, on the, on the margins of the script would be possible frontal nudity here, question <laughs> mark. <laughs> I just love it's that. It's got to be yeah. by page such as, I forgot what, what the, page right. nine or something. You have to have it in each reel at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got work done for him. That's awesome. So, you know, that's interesting, too. Can you apply that to comic books? Can you apply that to independent comic books when you're doing this sort of stuff? Like, I mean, I tried to do that with the trauma of comic books, which was like, just make a comic that I knew Marvel DC would make, which it had, like, fisting and, like, whatever. What was the name of this uh, comic? Uh, it was the... Like the trauma one? Prevents the trauma... The trauma one. Okay, your yeah, trauma Toxic comic. Yeah, Toxic Avenger, But, like, I tried to do something, but comic fans don't... They want everything taken seriously, so they don't really... <coughs> They don't. They don't. They try not to appeal to their basis desires. See, that might have worked in head shops in the old days. You know, there's different sure. markets even within comics, and there's different markets today. Not everyone 
wants to buy superheroes. There's obviously people who are going to the bookstores and they're buying the Dan Klaus books. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Chris Ware or somebody. But, uh, yeah, I don't know about fisting. I mean, <laughs> I think I think Kirby did a different kind of fisting. Yeah. Iron fist, power fist, all that stuff. They were, stuff. like, in your face, but they weren't necessarily up your ass. Yeah. That's, the, that's the difference. Yeah. Well, speaking of... Uh, of uh, in your face, not up your ass. Aptly put, young man. Right, I nearly killed him. <laughs> well, uh, talking about uh, another medium, that's uh, it's video games. Uh, I need to uh, let everyone know about uh, Devil May Cry, the anime series. It's an anime series based on the... Uh, on the video game uh the complete series volume one two and three are now available on dvd and uh to dante it's more than just a game cursed by his half monstrous half human nature dante must spend his life fighting the forces of darkness demons big ones sly ones crafty ones and sexy ones everyone it sounds like a don glute movie everyone <laughs> everyone knows demons come in all shapes and sizes and somebody's got to send them back to hell and dante's all too happy to do it especially if there's money involved check bum, out bum, the, bum. check out the action scene clips and trailers at www.funimation.com slash devil may cry Devil May Cry, available now on DVD. So there you go. That's a that's a, an anime based on a uh, on a video game. Was that's, it was it ever a manga? I'm, I don't know. I'm, I don't think it was. It, it, it could I mean, have been. I know the designs are very manga. But you know, it's, everything's so connected. It may have been a manga that that yeah. created the video game. The video game got big. Now it's in, now it's yeah. It's all anime. done on computers now. And it's all done on computers. <laughs> and Hillary or by computers. Right? Yeah. 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 You just all you gotta do is like type <laughs> in make me computer. this, and then it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. And Hillary is a is a computer programmer. So, um, mm-hmm. do you? I mean, I don't know if you're a video game player, Don, <laughs> no. or, or no. I played Pong yeah. once years ago. Yeah, I kind of stopped when they were the big machines. Yeah, that took your quarters. I played yeah. guitar or in a rock band with my family over Christmas, but. Uh, Notoriously uh, hate video games. It's it's but it's weird now seeing so many video games that are now being adapted to, to movies, especially the horror ones. You look at you know, yeah. Res- Resident Evil and or movies know. that were not adapted to video games that make you feel like you're you watching the video, you're yeah. the video. <laughs> no, I think like Van Helsing. I felt like I was stuck sure. in a video game. And yeah, I, I think that's true. I think I think these, these modern uh, kind of a pace and, 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 and crazy amount of action and nonstop stuff that you get now really comes from the gaming. And they, they always say every year, oh, they made so much, so such and such in, in games. It always dwarfs what they make in, in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I mean, that's a tough business too, you know. But I mean, because I've known people working in video games, and I, I thought comics was cutthroat. It's it's rough, horrible. I it's mean, rough. yeah, it's never something. But I actually like because I don't like video games. I just I could never give a shit less. I like rock bands. It's like karaoke. I don't like karaoke. But I just could never give a shit less about video games. But I actually do get excited when like like a studio like Wildstorm or somebody uh, will put out a comic uh, video game thing. And people really—they well, they're interested based on their comic, right? Get, get because that. it's a story, you know. Like they'll like the Gears of War, which is well. Amazing. I was gonna—I was gonna say what was the number one selling yeah, number comic one book selling of two thousand? I mean, largely, I think it's because it was studio. Gears of War. Yeah, two hundred fifty thousand copies. I think there it was four hundred fifty thousand. Was it okay? Okay, so almost yeah, yeah, half a million. Yeah, but I mean that's Maybe awesome. It may have been like two hundred fifty. No, first that was week. a comic book yeah. first, then, and then turned no, no it the other way around. It was a video game that they then turned into a comic book. But I mean, that's awesome because I think video games. Actually, you know, maybe uh, video games well, that's don't have stories quite. <laughs> you know, what I mean, they don't have like they, they don't have they don't have the ability to spend a lot of time on personalities and whatever background stuff. But you can do that in a comic book pretty easily. Um, that might be a really good way to get more people into comics too. I mean, I think that. Well, I mean, I personally don't care about 
Mirror's Edge or Gears of War or whatever. But it's awesome that someone else does. That's, I mean, great. Well, I think you that, know, that like... might be the, that might be the next generation of mm-hmm. Don Clute is the the kid that instead of making a movie is going to come up with this great idea and make video games. Sure. And I mean, it's all coming together where where video games and movies and and you know comic books, all this stuff. Yeah, it's is, all one thing. It's yeah, it's really just interconnected. One so. fast, endlessly one... boring, nonstop piece of action. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I know I'm gonna now I'm moving into the category of older than anybody, man. You know? <laughs> but it's it it really is a bone that I I chew on too often, perhaps. But it's to me it drives me crazy it's like yeah. stories aren't action action is an element used in a story sure. things well, I mean, happen the in these movies but if you slowed them down and actually watched what was going on or could hear the dialogue you'd probably realize that nothing worthwhile is happening but they do blow up but you, I mean you hope that I, I, in, I don't know if this is true and I, I mean I didn't read the stuff nor play the game but I have a feeling like you know when it, like a Gears of War thing which is totally obviously like guns and blowing stuff up and you just play it because you're like this is awesome and badass and things blow up yeah. if Point you can turn that into a, a comic book uh, I I think that the fans of those video games might find something you know really interesting about finding more about the personalities of stuff and you you, maybe, hope, you hope that it's an entry point not a destination exactly yeah. and I, I, I you know I mean I think about that like with I mean at the it's too late to get me. You know, it's too late to get me as as their audience, right? Well, it's not going to get me yeah. either. I worry about the kids you, raised you want, on want, video games ever wanting to read a book that actually takes time to get to the payoff. You want me to blow your mind and probably make you very angry? Nah. Coming to video game consoles later this year, Watchmen, the video game. You know, that, uh, there's someone else that might get mad at that. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so, so, someone so, over the so, pond. Yeah, somewhere. Somewhere. But I mean, what if that turns some kids on to? I, I, I'm not usually. Well, no, I usually am the optimist in this shit. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. No, I, be look optimistic. At, uh, what if that turns some kids onto like Raiden Watchmen? Well, if you're like, it is so cool when that Rorschach dude punches a dude in the face. Hey, I'm gonna read this comic. Whoa, there's a lot more to this. That would be fantastic, and that's okay. You know, I mean, like, I, I mean, look, but, look but at I real think, practical. I think there's the factor also that. I, I, I don't know how to explain this. It's like when rock and roll first came in. You know, kids, it was the new thing. It wasn't the music of your father or your grandfather. So they didn't go back listening say, to big band music or anything like that. Or people that grew up on movies, they don't generally start watching plays or going to operas and things like that. And comic books, I mean, I'm looking at a store here right now. It's, it's a lot of people here. I don't see one kid in the store. Uh, right. Kids... I think of past comic books. I think they're in this new world of video games, and comic books is what their parents read or what their grandparents read. But, I mean, they're also... You see, again, I'm, I'm going to be optimist. Uh, you do see them at the comic book conventions. I mean, you do kids. a lot. Yeah. There are kids, and sometimes they're brought there by they their parents. They may be. They're just the, the, the chicks in the uh, sexy superhero outfits and things. Well, that's, true. That's what well, I was there know. for. <laughs> or but, uh, movie people. Or, but, yeah. no, there is, there is a sort of... And there's also that connection, too, with... You know, this is this sort of Internet um, generation of kids, but they... They will like read a webcomic sort of thing because you know it's just another piece of content to them. It's not necessarily something different. It's just like you know I want to be entertained. So oh here's you know this and here's and you can do a web strip and stuff. And you see a lot of that stuff be really pretty popular. Uh, you know the the uh, Arca- uh, Penny Arcade, which is like a sort of video game based thing, is is a huge readership. Oh yeah. Um, and so you see it like there is. We just have to take advantage of it. And I think you know you don't have to be. I don't think anything dies off. I mean, if it's a medium of yeah. communication, 
you know, it's it's always well, able and, to be used. And I can yeah. grumble all I want, but it is what it is, and well, it's going to be. I mean, people are going to, you know, that market, the way where the readers go, it's, they're going to go there because that's yeah. it's just, you know, that's just gravity. That's 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 the way things are happening. It's just, you know, uh, I you know I lament uh, the loss or the loss of interest in things that I love and value. Always. And and and. Uh, but you got to roll it. There will always be people that appreciate the things that you appreciate, no matter how small or how they are. When you find those things, you let's say, I mean, if you like those sort of eerie, small, quiet stories, you do a great story like that, you'll find an audience. It may not be as huge as the audience that likes um, things about people being shot in the face, yeah. but you can still find an audience. You well, always I was talking can. to somebody. On, uh, I was talking to somebody on New Year's, and when, when punk came out, I was out dancing to punk, you know, in the seventies, but. Uh, that's not everybody's form of classical music, right? But for a lot of people, that's what they grew up with. And this guy I was talking to, with, uh, he was saying, oh, yeah, we were talking, he was talking about the Sex Pistols, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, anarchist, you know, like, well, they had a great melody. And I'm like going, what? what? It was, he said, <laughs> no, he actually called it melodic. And I said, they have no melody. Okay, wait a minute. No, no, well, it's a tune. There's a melody, but it is not melodic. In, I mean, I, you know, what I said is compared to what? And he refused to give me a comparison. He just said, no, there's a melody. I go, you remember the song. You can hum it, but it's not Cole Porter. I mean, what, what are we talking about here? It's a, you know, it's like, Right. Yeah, he's romanticizing yeah, something. Yeah, it is what be, it is, but yeah, but every yeah, yeah, sometimes you do lose perspective, I think. I mean, you can you know, you, everything isn't as good as everything else. You can say, yeah, this is different, but it's lost something, you know. Maybe it's found something new. You know, maybe there is this art. I mean, I bet you know, Boz Lerman, people love him. I think the guy's mindless. I don't think he has any idea what a story's about, you know, just throwing everything at you 100 miles an hour. I mean, that's not my idea of storytelling. But but there were, I mean, just because a guy like that existed, I mean, just because a guy like Marcel Duchamp came on the art scene, didn't mean you couldn't be a, a, a classical painter and do some really nice sort of, you know. Well, right, right. I mean, and, well, your average Hollywood it, right? movie has not paid any attention to modern art. I mean, most of them, I mean, some of them are unintentionally postmodern, I suppose. They're the, whatever. But they're not art. They're, all, they're the same. They're just selling what people want to buy. Same as comics, right? For the most part. Absolutely. Most people aren't artists that are doing this stuff. No, a lot of them are just technicians. Yeah. That was the difference between somebody like, to me, like Ray Harryhausen and yeah. Jim Danforth to the entire ILM facility. Yeah. Ray Harryhausen and Jim Danforth were artists. ILM is basically technicians. Everything is perfect. Every CGI shot you see is at, but there's no nuance. There's sure. no shot like the Tyrannosaurus and King Kong stopping and scratching his ear and a little misstep here and there. It's all, right. you look yeah. at an explosion or something, and every piece of that explosion is coming at you at the same speed. And, you know, right. you look at these trailers, and everything is moving at the same rhythm and everything. It's just like, there's no heart there. There's I no think, you know, yeah, it's interesting. No, I think that's when we all come back. And it's also, it's also <laughs> interesting about that. Is obviously, like King, King Kong is the classic example. King oh, Kong inspired everybody. That, don't get me yeah. started on the new King Kong. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm not going to the new King show. Kong. But, but, but like the, I'm movie. talking about the original King Kong. The King Kong, yeah. And, and, and the, to me, the new we, one missed all the things, the story points, and the yet, heart that made the original And yet, here was a guy, the reason he wanted to make it, the director of the new King Kong, because he loved the original and he always wanted to make the movie with a budget they couldn't get. Or do the he didn't he, understand all he saw was the special effects and how he could make those bigger and better and give you so much that you 
Yeah. You got bored watching it. I love the original. Where he, oh, where you he, see where the fingerprints on Kong, and you still believe it's a character. There's an integrity to it. There is something about the the human hands involvement to see it, to feel that. Sure. It's not when the, my, half my problem just with the visual thing on when you get to the computer generated movies is they don't look real. They the more they right. try to look real, they look they, more they're, like a cartoon. They're like dense yeah. and high gray and blurry. They're blurry. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't well it's not even cartoon. It looks like it looks plastic or fake or gray and smeary. There's something about it that doesn't have they can't capture the feel of light. No yeah, what, yeah, I mean I think you, yeah. you I mean now they've come close. I mean I thought the you know Gollum in in the War of the Worlds actually came the closest to a character that was oh, interesting. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. What did I say? War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Okay, yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, the Tolkien uh, book. Uh, yeah, that that character was interesting. You were able to follow him, and he was obviously based on a real guy who really could act yeah. and do the physical movements. But still, there were tons of things in that movie that that looked totally. Phony. I fell asleep. Twice during every one of those. Oh, the movies are Rings movies. Oh, it's they're way too long. Oh yeah. God, they're too long. I did. I did. I this is where you know I'm there. kind of younger because I was like, oh, I thought that was pretty good. Cool. I mean, but on the other hand, like, <laughs> I watched the director cuts that are like 45 minutes and an hour longer. Than the <laughs> I loved the books movie. when I was a kid. I mean, I read the books <laughs> you so, watched uh, it like a few a times. Of a week or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. But sure. the movies were. I, I went to see them all, and I must admit, I don't go to see a lot of stuff that you'd expect me to see. You know, comic book movies. Okay. But I went to see those because I was a big Tolkien fan, and and uh, they're just too they're too long. They're too sure. long. Sure, yeah. but I mean I, I think you see the I mean I totally agree with you, and I think the best films that you see that utilize I I definitely think CGI stuff has a has a practical use. When it's done well, it can be inc- and when it's incredible. when it's mixed yeah. with like the Jurassic Park movies, I think sure, very well. Done. Or if it's mixed with practical effects, like the things that should look real. I mean, like blood never looks good digital, so yeah. we use real blood, but. Like something really, you know. Sure. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Really. Don, you'll agree with me. Well, no, yeah, how, snuff movie. films without real blood just don't work. <laughs> a lot of horror movies. There's a lot of horror movies. All the Rob Zombie films, which I actually like a lot of his films. They use pig's blood? blood. Digital oh, blood. Oh, digital blood. Okay. It looks terrible. Oh, okay. Fake. I mean, just practical special effects. Yeah, we tried squibs. some in Blood Scare, but it didn't work. doesn't work. Squibs look great. Use squibs. Use just squibs. don't worry about it. You know? but, I mean, you can see how that applies to other stuff, where it's just like, if things are practical, some things need to look... Oh, it's a tool. Like it's a tool. Graphics, I mean, right? uh, you know, yeah. no. Hey, I, I grew up well before you know in comics. Don and I did before computer, you know, coloring was there. And when it came in, it was horrible at first. It wasn't because computers were bad. It was because they didn't know how to use them. Sure, it's a tool. Sure. Yeah. You know. Uh, and you, you see a lot of really good computer colors. And they've gotten better at it. And people now can paint with the computer. You know what else? Well, this is interesting too. When we were kids growing up, or look, say a stop, the stop motion effects or the Invisible Man type effects, which were all invented like in the silent movie days yeah. and carried on right up through the 1960s and 70s, and nobody got tired of them. You could see those same types of effects over and over, movie after movie, and never get tired of them. I got tired of those, you know, the, where the, we had the multiple cameras going around in the... Um, Matrix. The Matrix, the first Matrix movie. I got tired of that while I was watching Well, as soon as movie. it becomes a commercial. Yeah, yeah. while you... Yeah. Well, I got tired of, I got tired yeah. of morphing right. before I ever saw it actually done in a movie, just watching it in TV. <laughs> Commercials, yeah, yeah, you know, and it, it, it's it's the, the, that magic is gone. Well, but the, I mean, I, I always like to play devil's advocate. You have to realize when things change, there's a reason, and they have to catch. And not old ways, not always better, but you just have to hope that when people find a new toy, that they come back and find the old toys that work. Oh, sure, it's, it's like synthesizer music in the '80s. Sure, uh, totally overused, yeah. and it and it it, it went. 
you know, it went out of out of style, and and people go back to what works. And it's the sure. same thing with visual effects. It's the same thing with computer coloring. It's, you know, uh, in my industry in in design, it's Photoshop filters sure. exactly. that get overused. Uh, when it, when it comes out, but then people return to to classic methods because it works best. But they can utilize the new tools to make it slightly better. Yeah, and that's fine. You just you know, I mean, that, it's just easy to be like. You know, new stuff always sucks, and it often does. But I have uh, no problem with the printing in comics being better. Gee, that, there you it, go. That's yeah. not an you know that you can see the work better. Yeah, absolutely. that's a good thing. That's, that's now, if point. what you do is take advantage of it by coloring every little pixel of everybody's fingernail so that it has the reflected <laughs> light from the, the background on it, it's overdone. That's not a good use Agreed. of the printing. A hundred percent. Well, if it, if it doesn't help the storytelling, then you know. Sure, absolutely. You, Again, to, none of this stuff is about the story. If it's yeah. what it's about, it's the story about the character, about the essence of what it's about. If it's what it's about, is blurry action and throw everything at you a hundred, you know. Uh, seconds but that's where you see things that's, uh, I don't know things that endure I mean you know for instance the Harry Potter novels there goes those are going to endure why uh, they combine a combination of modern and classic techniques of of, of, of writing novels and makes a, something that is will endure it appeals to many will endure I think uh, you know you'll see a lot of a lot of comics today you know where they like maybe overdoing with the coloring and all this stuff those things may be hot flash in the pan but in the end they'll look dated but things that are great will be great in five years. I mean, ten years. But those things, but those, years. Th but those things well, that don't endure still will have influence on, sure. on what it's built upon. You know? Yeah, it's absolutely. you know we love uh, the the golden age comics that we were talking about earlier. You know what? Not always great stories. No, you know, sometimes pretty bad story. Yeah, sure. sometimes pretty bad in the art too. Yeah, yeah. but. The, the the seed the genesis of it was was really good really solid and that that yeah. grew things out Absolutely. of it and, and, and I think so with those golden age <clears throat> books too I, have uh, characters, <laughs> I, I think a lot of it had to do with not so much you know how the, you didn't have to have a winner story every 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 issue or the artwork was you know didn't have to be great every you liked the characters and if you responded to the characters you, you gave them a bad story now and then. You know, you accepted it because you just wanted to see oh, his sure, character. Sure, sure. Was you were talking about the Golden Age, uh, Blue Beetle? He was whatever he needed to be for those stories. Were they all great stories? No, but you know, it's no, you, pretty most of them pretty bad actually. Okay, <laughs> but well, I discovered, you know, when I, I discovered the Blue Beetle at a time in my life when I, when there weren't a lot of superhero books out, there was Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. That was pretty much it, and then the World's Finest. You know, with Green and action and adventure had Green Arrow and the Vigilante and all these characters. So. To me, that was a different kind of, even though he was basically Superman in those days, it was a different character from a different company. That, to me, was kind of special. Yeah, it, was, it had heart. Yeah. It had heart. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, uh, let's get this one uh, wrapped up here. I uh, want to remind people that if they want to, uh, to contact the show, and we do have some emails coming up in the next episode, you can uh, email us at info at aroundcomics.com. And uh, you can uh, continue this conversation at our forum at aroundcomics.com. And uh, we have a new uh, retooled website, which you can go and check out and uh, join our forum community. We would love to, to hear from you there. Uh, I do have a, a couple announcements here. First of all, uh, Andy Kuhn, who is the, uh, the current artist of uh, Fire Breather, and he's worked on uh, various other uh, titles. He's 
did the uh, uh, man tooth with uh, with Matt Fraction, and um, Andy's done a, a, a ton of stuff. Uh, he worked on on Brett for a while. You know, do you know Andy? Um, yes, no? I know Andy. Great so my guy. Back teeth were floating. I told him I had to do that. We're talking about uh, Andy Kuhn. Um, you know, Mr. Love Mr. Mr. Kuhn. Well, are you going to go to Martyrs on uh, on January? His band 10th? is playing the Fuglies. The Fuglies are going to be in town at Martyrs, which I is located at uh, thirty eight fifty five North Lincoln Avenue. And as this episode comes out, that will be this Saturday. So if you are in the uh, in the Chicago area, drop by Martyrs, and uh, they're going to be the the third band on that night following another band called The Good and uh, he encourages all the Around Comics listeners to come out and support the Fuglies. What's They're the awesome band. Andy Kuhn is the ugliest rock star ever. What, what's the date <laughs> What's the date of that show? Uh, January 10th. Ah, okay. So Thank it'll you. be this, this Saturday. I'm so for it. It's uh, go, go Andy Kuhn and the Fuglies and we'll play Little Fuglies here. Got some good music. They're a rocking band. All right. There you go. That was the fuckless. I'll edit that in later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the explanation yeah, of how radio man. works. <laughs> all right. You uh, do that with a computer? <laughs> yes. No, the computer did it all by itself. I just program it. Uh-huh. All right. We, as always, are proud to help support the Hero Initiative. Hero creates a financial safety net for yesterday's creators who need emergency medical aid financial support for Essentials of Life and an avenue back into pain work. Help me! Help me! It is a chance for all of us to give back... Something. Does it include like investing in my movies? It could be. See how that works? Oh, Down yeah. right away. Yeah. Well, Found an angle. Well, well I'll, I'll, I'll call Jim McLaughlin and see if that's possible. All right. <laughs> it's a chance for all of us to give back something to the people that have given us so much enjoyment. For more information, visit uh, www.heroinitiative.org or call 310-909-7809. You can also donate uh, at the Around Comics homepage. We have a, a very convenient Hero Initiative uh, PayPal button there. And uh, we wrapped up our, our end of year hero uh, initiative fundraiser and i want to thank uh, uh, among other people john sokol tim cornwall benjamin thielen ryan holiday and jeff peterman uh, all you folks uh, donated to hero and uh, and sent me confirmation on that so you'll all be getting wonderful gifts and prizes from around comics including Ooh. stuff uh, rich kozlowski signed editions of uh, i'll give you the, some art for that Hey, there you go. Man, I'm all about the Hero Initiative. The Hero Initiative is great. Uh, uh, Mike Norton donated some stuff. We've got. You uh, should have asked me, you pricks. Oh, we, we that, man. It's an <laughs> all you well-intentioned year. pricks, you. It's, it's an all-year-around all thing. Right. You so, let me know. I give a shit to your Damn charity loving pricks. So we, we, I'll get I'll get in touch with uh, with all of those guys. But I tell you what, this is just kind of an ongoing thing. If you give money to the Hero Initiative, just send me an email at chris at aroundcomics.com. I'll send you something. Because it is it is a charity that is near and dear to my heart, and uh, and it really does make a difference to to the lives of people that that we owe a lot to as as comic fans. All right, um, I also want to thank uh, everyone for the iTunes music reviews. Uh, I've got a big list of people to thank from the UK, but we're gonna do that next episode because we're running a little long, and I've got to get Hillary out of here. So uh, so next week, all of our UK iTunes music review 
errs. So do that. It's a great way to help us uh, support the show. Uh, check out Tom versus the Flash a couple times a week as Tom walks you through the history of the DC Universe one issue at a time. I'm on 11 o'clock comics once a week. Uh, check out the, the good folks at iFanboy. All sorts of good content there. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, real quick, uh, Mr. Hillary Barta, for people to find out more about you on the internet or uh, ask you about commissions and all sorts of that kind of fun stuff. Are you taking commissions these days? Uh, yeah, I, I have been. Uh, maybe maybe through you would be a good thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, just just pass e- along uh, any 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 comments or questions or e- email me at Chris, at Chris at Around Comics and I actually have a commission I want to talk to you about. Woo-hoo. I've been talking to Tim. I got, I've, I've started a whole Golden Age uh, oh, theme. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a discount for the it's the Neesman discount. Yeah. The, nice. Yeah. Nice. How, how do you how do you feel about the Jay Garrick Flash? Hillary. I will talk. Uh, right, we'll we'll talk, talk off we'll mic. Off mic. All right. Uh, Tim Seeley, for people to find out about um, you and your various works. Uh, it's uh, www.coltnoble.deviantart.com. My website, timseeley.com, is down because Chris Crank, uh, who is a uh, fellow podcaster, is lazy and hasn't updated my site. <laughs> uh, Colt Noble actually is my homage to Masters of the Universe. It's a, a He Man sex comedy uh, where the well. kid uses his powers to turn into an adult. To get ass. It turns him into She-Man. Yeah, well, that's a whole other story that I haven't got to yet. But, uh, yeah. So, coltnoble.deviantart, just coltnoble, the word. He-Man, masturbators of the universe. (laughs) It's like a subtle, cute sex team. And uh, Hackslash coming out monthly from Yeah, yeah, it's still coming out. And then my last Exiles issue is 18. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, that comes out next month. I think 17 comes out next week. And so write, write letters to all those Marvel editors. Yeah, tell the Marvel editors that you want me to on more shit. Yes. Say, hey, you and Chris Claremont make a good team. You guys should do another book like, I don't know, something with Death's Head and Christar the Crystal Warrior and... I don't know, something fun to draw. I don't care. Whatever. There you go. Tell them that we want to. You know, I, I haven't had a chance to tell you tonight, but the new Exile stuff looks great. Thanks, man. Really nice job. Thanks. Mr. Don Glute, uh, folks, uh, to find you on the Internet. You can find out uh, what I've been doing, uh, basically two websites. One is just my name, DonaldFGlute.com, and the other is our production company uh, website, FrontlineFilms.com, all one word, plural, on films. And... Um, all my movies are available on uh, Amazon. So there you go. And uh, you've got a great uh, Wikipedia entry that if oh yeah, I don't know who wrote that. I have no idea. Uh, you, it's, yeah, it's, I, who does write those? Someone wrote on one on me, and I'm like, someone yeah. said, "Hey, Hillary, you're in Wikipedia." I'm like, "Why? How did that happen?" Yeah. It's weird. Somebody someone does it. You know what? If you sh- here's here's the deal. Throw this out on on this. Who if you wrote those things? Let Chris know. We want to know who you are. We just want to talk to you. Well, it is Call interesting. In, we'll You'd think they would put the name there or say if you want to talk to this guy because often. If you're the person written, I would imagine you'd want to meet someone who spent that much time if researching. You know, maybe you good or bad. And you... the most esoteric things I look up, I, yeah. I, you know, I do a Google search. It comes up on that Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Hey, I found out a lot it's, about it's you. Democracy. <laughs> it's it, this is the um, web democracy. That, that battle that you won in World War II, oh, charging yeah. that hill, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, I did. Uh, I, 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 the World War One. The World War One battle was much uh, more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Hillary again here. I just did an, inked an issue of the Spirit. Uh, I'm not sure when it's coming Whoa. out. I think it's Spirit 25. Allure Amancio, a guy uh, who I don't actually know except by via email. So um, far, Fear, agent, Fear Agent uh, number 25. Oh, yeah, the backups stands. I'm writing for Fear Agent are starting to come out again. Yeah, yeah. The, the backup called uh, um, Bugged, Bugged was really Yeah, good. I'm drawn by 
Mark Nelson, really great artist you may know from the original uh, Alien series at Dark Horse, among What's other things. Fahrenheit? I remember those are great. Yeah. yeah, and anyway, Mark did a really beautiful black and white pencil tone job on Great story it. about that. Did that come uh, out this week? Yeah, well, last week. It was, uh, it was yeah. sold out. Um, uh, great story about Heath Houston as, uh, as a exterminator. Yeah, kind of, kind of exterminator, ghost hunter, almost kind of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, very cool. Lots of bugs, yeah. lots of bugs, big bugs, big bugs. So lots that was bugs. awesome. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for sitting in with us tonight. Uh, I want to thank uh, Mark Beatty at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, as always. And uh, more than that, I want to thank uh, everyone out there in podcast land for listening, uh, as always. Uh, yeah, 2008 was a great year. 2009 is going to be even uh, bigger and better. Even Obama er. Obama er. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, really looking forward to the next uh, the next year of Around Comics. We've got some Windy City Comic Con announcements for you coming up the next couple weeks. So uh, everyone out there. Best uh, Comic Con ever. Hey. We're yes. trying. We're trying. We want to make them twice a year now. I don't know. <sighs> you gotta, I'm trying to twist yeah, I mean, I could take like the three weeks off here. when you do that shit. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to kill me. All right, everyone. Three times a year would be pushing it, maybe, but twice a year is not talk, too much. Talk to, to ask. Sal. Sal's the one you got to convince. Okay. All right, everyone, have a fantastic rest of your week and weekend. We'll be back again on Monday with another full-length episode. In the meantime. Oh, there he goes. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle's got Kyle, that. Kyle in the, in the peanut gallery had it. We'll be everywhere in and, and around. expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and may not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Any reproduction, rebroadcast, or retransmission without the express written consent of Around Comics is strictly prohibited. All content presented in this program is the sole property of Around Comics and this has been an Around Comics production. Copyright 2009.
Oh, I'm so sorry. Would <laughs> 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 you quit knocking over the beard? <laughs> I'm the rowdy. But one of my one of my favorites is. Um...